Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to part two with Jess and Donna bringing Alba home. If you haven't listened to part one, head back into your feed and scroll up to listen to part one. Hope you enjoy part two and we'll see you really soon. Did you know, like in terms of, you knew obviously she was early. Did you know what condition Alba was in? when you got on the flight? No, we hadn't really had any communication with them. So they sort of had just told us that she was alive um, at the moment. At the moment. Mm. And so we didn't, we didn't really know what to expect. And this, with IVF, I knew, as I said, everything. And I Googled everything. I knew yeah, this, that. With Premi Babies, I didn't Google a thing. No. I didn't want to know. And I just thought we were going to pick up a small baby, wait for her to grow. And like I look back at me packing my bags, and I was packing for a holiday, not yeah. holiday. Like I had books, I had journals, I had. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Have I don't. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you. If you had your time again, what would you pack for a war zone? Though I'm not quite sure. That is true. Yeah, I would have packed winter clothes. That's for sure. I didn't really realize that we were going into winter. Another yes. thing I didn't think through. Oh my gosh! So then, what happened then from Dubai? So we were one of the first people in line at the Emirates desk um, <clears throat> and they tried to send us to Moscow and we're like, no, wrong why way. are we going to Moscow? No. And this is the thing, there were people behind us, like Ukrainian families who have been on holidays trying to get home too. And that's when it sort of kicked in that, hang on, something's really going on here. And so we decided we'd make our way, our way down south. So we went to Warsaw in Poland. Never even heard of Warsaw. Mm. So they took them to, to Warsaw from Dubai. They took them to, to Warsaw. And so we sort of got to, to a hotel near the airport thinking, oh, we won't be just, for long. Just yes. get on a flight, yeah. Yeah, we planned to cross the border at Poland, but we couldn't. It was too unsafe. So we stayed there for a couple of days and then we're like, right, we need to get closer. And so we jumped on a flight to uh, yeah. Yeah, and then we stayed there for a couple of nights, just watching, glued to the TV, watching mm. the news, just waiting on updates. And updates were, it's just, communication's very different. Like oh, of course, of course. And they were in a war zone. Oh, uh, sure. We got a message in when we were in Poland um, about Elba's condition and we were just like, I couldn't watch it. I said, Kev, I can't watch that, put it away. And then the next morning I was watching it and he was like, put it away, I can't watch it. And they pretty much said that, our baby has two brain bleeds, flat mm. uh, lungs, and undeveloped underdeveloped intestinal intestinal problems. So, oh. um, all common things with preemies. Not quite common to have all three of them. No. So, and on just, and on top of that, not having the uncertainty of getting there, getting there, yeah. 
and who was looking after and who was looking yeah who was yeah we didn't even know where she was we it was horrible it was absolutely those two weeks were probably the hardest two weeks yeah ever because she had been moved from um maternity house where she was born to another hospital so when it came time for us to try to track her down we didn't know what her name like we we all knew her as Elva um but we didn't know whether it was Elva Middleton whether it was the the surrogate's surname in fact it was they were just referring to her as baby baby um um, we didn't know that. We didn't know where the hospital was. So um, we were trying to search for, for um, where our baby was. What an un... It's just unbelievable. It's like... It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Honestly. Was the a- was it the agency that kept you in... Fo- like, who was the main line of communication? The was the only way we could communicate with the hospital. And they were also looking after 20 other surrogate mothers. Um mm. As well as their own lives have been completely Of course, of course. But it was really hard being so far away and Mm. not getting updates like we would here. Um, But I understand what was going on, but it was just, it was hell. Um, And we just, yeah, and then we decided, okay, we've got to get closer. And so we wanted to go to Moldova and we're getting lots of mixed reviews. Don't go to Moldova. They're going to call martial law there soon. Um, They're going to be next. And we just thought, well, we're going to Moldova. So we jumped on a bus because mm. <laughs> the airspace over Moldova was closed. So we went to Kisinau in Moldova, um, eight-hour bus trip. And then we just waited because from, like, and we'd just, like, look at the look at the moon and we were so close to her. Like, we were, in yeah. the, we were 120 kilometres. And it was just being there, we just felt oh, so much better, but, yeah, because we were so close. So yes. close yet so far. Yes. We still couldn't get to her because the agency was saying, no, it's too unsafe, it's too unsafe. Was DFAT in contact with you at all yeah. or did you just ignore their call and be like, no, no, we're fine, we're just... <laughs> Every day DFAT rang. They were actually really good, yeah. And they would, um, where are you today? What are you doing? And then when we went to Ukraine, I sort of thought I'd be tricky and email them in the middle of the night, but forgetting that. It's morning here, so they knew. Yes, and it's like they tracked my phone because as soon as we got in the car, to probably they yeah. probably were yeah, able probably to. Probably were, yeah. And I'm like, because because when I when I first organised the tickets, um, I did a few things um, to help help them get organised, and one of them was I ran DFAT. She got us in. She's the culture. Do you want me to put the bed now? Sorry, ran DFAT and um. And anyway, I said to Graham, this guy, Graham, Graham, I can't register um, on, on, um, online. It's just like coming up with a red flashing light. And uh, he said, oh, but before, I said, oh, my daughter and son-in-law are going to Ukraine. And he said, no, they're not. <laughs> and you're like, and well, said, too bad. Graham, where are you? And he said, I'm in Canberra. I said, unless you've got some colleagues who are prepared to go out to the airport at 10 o'clock tomorrow night to gate nine, and jump on Jessica and Kevin. There is no way you're going to stop, stop them. them exactly. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Have you read the travel warnings?" Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, they're going. They're going to collect their baby." Yeah. Um, and he said, "Fine." He gave us a case number, and from then on, uh, they kept us informed. We had to sign some papers for to be kept informed about Jess and Kev's whereabouts because there were sometimes um, periods of you know 24 hours when we couldn't. couldn't. Yeah. Um, 
So um, they just kept us informed and um, really tagged them, sometimes bringing them three times a day to see where they were. Uh, right up until when we got back um, to Australia, um, they were um, they were so good. That's it's good to I mean good to hear. Good to know. You know, and they sort of said once you're in Ukraine, you're on your own. But we weren't. Oh, that's they I they mean, were keeping tabs on you. They would ring yeah. every day. They were really, and they'd come and meet us when we were in Moldova. They sent people out to come and get us. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, to oh. check in. And when we were in Paul, we went and met the lady. And she sort of told us the, what she has to say on the records ah. <laughs> and what she would do if she was a mother off the records. Mm. So, yeah. So they knew what we were doing. I don't think that even if they told you not to, I don't think that would have stopped you somehow. You, I, I can tell you, as your mum said, extremely determined. So uh, on, it's, like, it's like a good book. I am uh, like I, I'm so intrigued. The next, you know, I mean, this next chapter, like next what, chapter hap- what happened the next chapter? When it gets real, when it gets real. Um, so we get a call from the agency saying, "Okay, you can come tomorrow. We're going to send a driver," and we're like, oh, "Okay." And it didn't. I didn't realize we. Were, I knew we we're going to a war zone, but I didn't really. I don't know if I wasn't thinking about myself or yeah. I was just thinking about her. Like all I was just here, like we just wanted to be with her. Of course. We got in a car and we were driven. Um, <laughs> one of the most scariest drives of my oh. life. Yeah. Um, and we sort of got to the border and, like, the lead up to the border, the driver, no English, was, like, pointing and we're like, what's he pointing at? We're just tense and tense and tense of refugees and that's what it's like. All these people so are real. Mm. They weren't going in. So at the border we were the only car going in and they couldn't understand why. I'm um, sh- And you're like, I, yeah, I would was- drive a car myself if I had to. But it was really, um, I think about it now and it was, when it really got real, like there were kids saying goodbye to their dads mm. and like all standing along the um, like the wire fence just watching their families go because men can't leave. Mm. Mm. Uh, it was horrible. And like we saw really, really old ladies like with walking frames getting out of their cars like everybody else walking. Um, and so we crossed that border. We were the only people with smiles on their faces, that's for sure. I just couldn't wipe the smile off my face. Like <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, our driver wouldn't take us any further because it was a three-day wait to get out. So he was like, you're on your own. And we are like, sure. <laughs> so yeah. we, we were waiting for another driver who didn't come and we are uh. like, where is he? And then we realised that the traffic to get to us was so long that he left his car about 5Ks away and he walked. What? Oh. <sighs> so then we walked with him back in my six, like six bags, <laughs> six suitcases. But watching the people walk towards us, like I've said this before, young, poor, old, rich, um, and, like, people just losing all their dignity. Like, the lines are so long. People are just going to the toilet on the side of the road and people are dropping belongings because they can't carry them anymore. They're leaving cars. Like, there were tow trucks just driving, just getting cars that people had dumped. Out of the way, yeah. Left out of the way. And, yeah, it was really, like, watching what people were carrying. Like, some people had pots and pans in their Mm. backpacks people had chickens and cats and it was just like their whole lives and that was something that really got to me is like mm. these people don't sleeping tonight yeah. I didn't know sleeping either but yes. I knew it would be well, that's so safe I knew it would be somewhere mm. um, you knew you had a bed I wouldn't necessarily not a, yeah, not safe a bed and a roof like these people don't even know if they had a bed or a roof mm. um I think about those people a lot 
a lot and wonder because like we left Ukraine like it, it, it will become a distant memory for us but it's still there every day so moving on with the story the next chapter um it was actually it got a bit violent and we we're actually a bit frightened because we were walking and there were cars like going everywhere and then one car cut off one car and like a guy jumped out with a baseball bat mm. and I was like and I'm sort yeah. of back and he just kept on walking and then of course the guy we're walking with talks to the guy with the baseball bat and he's like come on jump in and we're like yeah really like, oh, no no let's not offer him a ride so we got in his car with the baseball bat oh and I'm like just sitting there like just breathe like, at, when they when they speak uh, Ukrainian people speak Russian and so when they talk they sound very angry and I said like going into a war zone like I didn't know if we were going to see planes flying over I didn't know if we were going to see missiles if we were going to but it became very clear we saw things that like quite when we yeah like we saw um, lots of training drills and lots of like the roads were all blocked off with big things and I naively said, why is it always like this? And they're like, no. No, no. <laughs> yeah, and so we saw, and we were checked probably about 20 times on the way in for our passports, ID, are we journalists, why are we coming in? And I just had a photo of Elba holding it up. Mm. And, yeah, so we went in. Um, so it took us about what we thought would be an hour drive. It took about two and a half hours because we had so much um, stopping and I just wanted to get to Elba and mm. I knew the curfew was at 7 p.m. Oh. I think it was about three o'clock by the time we got to our accommodation. Um, we met someone from the agency there, and he was lovely. He took us shopping to get some food because all the shops closed, and we were staying right on the Black Sea, which I thought was amazing. But uh, <laughs> I don't think Mum was too happy about that. I said to Jesse, wherever you get accommodation, make sure it's away from, from the sea, because that the Black Sea and that's the port of Odessa is on Putin's. Target. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesse sends me a video. He says, Mum, we've found some accommodation. We're safe. It's okay. Um, we see the snow and a playground and a bit of a carnival that's all stopped with the snow. And then the port of Odessa, which was really pretty. I said, Oh, Jesse, you need to get the hell out of there. Mm. But yeah, and the gentleman from the agency sort of uh, downloaded an app on our phone and said, This is. What happens when the alarm sirens, you either go outside and go next door into their basement or you sit in your laundry two windows, two walls, two walls behind from the windows. And we didn't want to go outside because the alarms went off all the time mm. and we were a bit scared to go outside. So we would we spent a lot of time in that laundry. God. Yeah. And so how, how old was Alba by this point? Two weeks old. So we met her when she was two weeks old. What was that first meeting like? Oh, incredible. I was so nervous. I was shaking. Mm. Like it was um, oh, just a surreal. But it was also a real culture shock. Like their NICU isn't like our NICU. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I was a little bit shocked. Um, but the doctors and nurses did. Oh, they saved Elba's life. And mm. we're so grateful for what they did. Um, yeah, just it's different. It's not... A country like Australia or America, um, yeah, it's a it's a quite a poor country, so um, it doesn't get much funding. So, like parents are expected to buy most of the hospital supplies for the, their own child, which we did. Um, but yeah, it's a very 
So you had to be back in your hotel room yeah, by that yeah. certain time, obviously. So, we, yeah, we were whisked away very, very quickly. Um, and then we just, yeah, like what we did the two weeks prior, we just stared at our phones, like just looking at photos, like, <clears throat> yeah. Meanwhile, as they're getting into Ukraine, we're home here trying to work out how in the hell we get them out. Get them out. So um, we engaged... Um, some, for a start, we engaged someone from the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne to help interpret some reports because all the medical reports were coming handwritten in, handwritten in Russian, oh. yeah, which not many speak people speak that dialect. <laughs> it was really hard. Mm. Yeah, I have a Russian doctor here, and I asked him to, to and he couldn't. Even, he couldn't uh, even decipher it. He couldn't. Um, but so then, how? Was, how like? Uh, at what age could she have travelled then anyway, though? Um, well, that was contentious because yeah. here, if if Abba was in Australia, she could have travelled because of our roads, because of our ambulances, because of um, equipment. Equipment. Yes. But like she was on the fourth floor. I didn't have any lifts. Oh. Their roads are bumpy. Um, yeah, so every time, well, Mum and the team were working here and sort of getting us to talk to the hospital there. And the hospital there was, um, they're not used to people questioning them. Not that we were questioning them, but as I like. Being inquisitive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, very, it's very cultural differences between um, you know, Russian, Ukrainian yeah. and Western world. Yeah. Well, I guess you had to tread, I mean, as much as it was your baby, but you had to be very careful, obviously, yeah. that you didn't want to upset them. It was very hard. Absolutely. I can't she even move. She, she couldn't move because of the brain bleed. So mm. she had surgery. As soon as we got there, they got us to, to sign this waiver form for her to have brain surgery. I don't even know if I consulted you about that. Or did I just no, you? I didn't know. Well, we couldn't have changed it and we wouldn't have changed yes. it. It had to be done. Mm. Um, but they did brain surgery on her on the side of her bed. Oh, my God. So we were waiting, um, and I'm like, oh, does she go to theatre now? And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the theatre comes to us. Mm. And, like, in plastic shopping bags, they just sort of set up. like oh. a oh. But it's just, it is so different, just so, so different. Um, but the surgery was a success, and I truly believe if they didn't relieve that pressure on her brain when they did, mm. it would be a lot worse than we are now. So we're just... Incredibly grateful. grateful. Oh. 
I guess sometimes you have to just trust and yeah, we, the system. We really did trust. But um, so the mum and the team, somehow we got a doctor from Melbourne, someone in Brisbane, someone in Geneva, someone in Sydney, everyone just working together. Like people wanted to help, which is the most Isn't that lovely? So it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to recruit people for our team. No. And so everyone wanted to help. And it was sort of my job to communicate with the Ukraine Hotfield. Every time I said, okay, we want to move the baby, they'd go, you move her, she dies. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, and so then I'd be saying to me, we're not back. moving her. We're not moving her. Mm. And then some of our team were saying that, like, um, the Human Global Fund from Geneva was saying, um, two weeks, we might have, we might not have two weeks. Mm. This time we won't have an ambulance that's prepared to go in there. We won't have staff that are prepared to, to go into Ukraine and come out. Um, and who knows what will happen to it's in the wall. We'll have to get her out now. So, um, but we've waited about, I think we did wait another two weeks. We were there for three and a half. So, yeah. We oh, were in my God. Yeah. But we, like the agency said to us that there's a big red cross on the roof, the Russians will not bomb a hospital. And then we saw what happened in Mario Um And that's when it really hit home. Like if he's going to bomb a maternity house. Yes. Why would he bomb Of course. Kid? Of course. And these babies can't go down to the basement. No. Like, they're in the basement. No. So, yeah. Oh, I, it's just, um, I'm I'm just in awe of you, in awe of your mother, honestly. It's like, yeah. it's like such a, oh, such a tearjerker, yeah. honestly, you know, like, I just, I've never heard anything like it, honestly. Credit to you. For you wanting a baby so badly, I mean, obviously, you didn't know all of these circumstances were going to happen, that she was going to be born early, the war broke out in Ukraine. I mean, who could have figured all of that out, really? Anyway, it's amazing, honestly. At one stage, Deanne, I thought, you know, when we're going to get our baby out safely, and then, you know, a week or so later, I'm thinking, are we going to get Jessica Kennedy yeah. out. So, yeah, of uh, course. I always thought that I was at risk of losing my granddaughter. Yeah. Of course. I, I just, it, it is, it's like a, a absolute miracle, honestly. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe in, in retrospect it was better that she was born early. Oh, she knew what she was doing. Yeah, because had she come, you know, full term, who knows? Maybe what, it might what have been have a different by story. Then. Yeah. Surrogate lived in Kirsten, um, and Kirsten doesn't really exist anymore. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're we're lucky that she wasn't in Kirsten when yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and like if that other was full term, and I uh, surrogate was in. Yeah, I'm. She knew what she was doing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. What was it like? I guess in a way, I know we're skipping, but when you finally got out, like. What was yeah. it like for you? Petrifying. Um, we didn't want to go. It was such a strange feeling. Um, like the hospital had become our home every day for mm. yeah, three and a half weeks and it was really hard. Like we're never going to probably see those doctors yes. again um, and they can't leave. Mm. They're medical professionals. So You probably felt like you wanted to pack up, like pack them up in your bags and take yeah, them with you. We tried to help. Um, we sort of said, can we take any other babies? Not personally, but like, yeah. that, that yes. helped us. We're like, mm. we can take more babies. Mm. And they were like, no, don't, don't. In the transport. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't want to send any more babies, so it was just us. But um, 
I was petrifying. It was really scary. Um, it was very quiet. The roads were very quiet. Um, the rush to get out had finished. Yes. There were more people coming back in. Really? Yeah. And again, we went through. So, not. I was sort of waiting for the humidity crib to come down. We'd said goodbye. They'd re-intubated her, which is ventilated, because they didn't want to risk um, having to intubate her on the way. So they put another tube down her throat. Um, and so we, I was waiting for the humidity crib to come down, and next minute the door bangs open and a, a doctor comes out, Elba in her arms. Oh. And, her. and I'm like, oh, maybe there's a humidity crib in the bag. No. Kept, Just don't look. Nothing. No, so that but she was in the safest place she could be because the driver drove so fast mm. and the potholes and like she was so safe and cozy in that little cocoon. Um, and we got stopped again probably about twenty or thirty times, oh. mainly because you know in the front of the ambulance, mm. and so they were um, wanted to see Kev's ID, um, and then they'd look in the back of the ambulance, open the door, close the door. I was so worried about the heat and her regulating mm. her body temperature. It was yeah, really horrible. Um, when we finally got to the border, the Australian, uh, yeah, the consulate salts me never said two of them. Um, mm. And, yeah, they were just like, yeah, we've got you, like, you're all right. Oh, my um, God, what a uh, – did you yeah. did you breathe then or did you realise, like, that's just like – like Just one, one, one more. One stop. One more in amongst, yeah. Well, then we had to get to uh, the Mother and Child Institute Hospital in Kissinger, so – I saw a humidity crib. I'm like, awesome, great, Kev, there's a humidity crib. But they didn't strap her in. So I was in the back. The lovely lady was, like, they were so lovely. Sitting in the back with them. Kev was sitting in the front with the ambulance driver who was smoking. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was in the back um, watching Elba go. And it was just killing me like I couldn't. And she looked really bad. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get to Moldova. We'll sort of pull up like emergency at the children's and I'll take her out on the stretcher. Um, no. <laughs> they stop the ambulance, wrap her up, and they go knock on the door at the Moldovian Nikki. And Kevin and I are like, Yeah. And so the doctor came out, took took Albert in, and then we waited for about half an hour and the doctor came out and the translator was, um, you better go home and pray because your baby's going to die. Oh, and so I think I don't even know if I rang. I couldn't talk to anyone because hey. Kevin and I were like, "It's just what if we've killed her? What if our choice to yeah. meet her?" And we had it. Oh, that was a terrible night. Oh. you wouldn't have slept. No, that was probably the worst. And we're also dealing with a little bit of um, I don't know, like PTSD, Ukraine, probably. Yeah, yeah. In, in Ukraine, like there was no nightlife. There was no people laughing. There were no children going to school. We were just 120 kilometers away. And, People going out for dinner, they were laughing, they were driving, children were going to school, playing in playgrounds. And we were just like, it just felt like we were in a different world. Yeah. Yeah. And any crash we heard, Kevin and I would be like, oh. it's quite normal in Ukraine for us to say, was that a bomb? When does that become normal in conversation? No, that's not, no, not really. Not in the middle of the night, no. But it became quite normal in our conversation. So, but that, that was probably the hardest night, I think. How old was she at that point? She must have been five weeks old. Mm. Yeah. And you probably and thought we've gotten this far, like there's no yeah, way. Yeah, we can't lose her now on the decision we made. Mm. Like Kevin and I just felt sick. And we went in the next day and they said she was the same. Um, 
her little belly, she had a big descending belly, didn't she? Mm. And she was very malnourished. Um, I don't know what happened, but she dropped weight. Mm. She was born at 1450 and she was about 1200 grams. <laughs> um, and so they stopped feeding her because something wasn't working and they just um, fed her with like the glucose sort of things. They had to get that tummy down because her tummy was just mm. yeah. And um Funny, the doctor that greeted us the night before was still there, and I'm like, "Oh, you're back again." And they translated that no, she didn't leave. Oh, she was there last night to look after your baby. Oh, oh. that's so nice. Oh, that doctor was so lovely. Oh, and like hats off to them. They actually said to us after that two days, "We can't help you. Um, Elba needs more. So make your next plan. We'll tell you when you can do it." So then, <laughs> without I was going to say, did you, Donna? Did you ever sleep? Because obviously, you're trying to deal with things in the wrong time zone. Yeah, and we slept sometimes in the daytime, but we were up all night. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to be, we wanted to be available. We were busy. We were really busy. Um, it's like a call centre, I can imagine, your place. Yeah, it was. And and we had so many, um, like, you know, um, an, an old friend of one of our of books, um, one of our daughters, um, she lived in, um, Gladstone, northern Queensland, and she, she phoned me this night and I'm sitting on the front veranda, like it was probably about 1 o'clock in the morning, and um, I was having a glass of wine. Yeah. I don't know what time it was. Yeah. I didn't realize. Um, and she rang and I thought, oh, no, I, I don't really want to talk to anybody. And she left a message to say, look, I really, there's a doctor here that might be able to help with some transport. Um, we could fly her out tomorrow. And I'm thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Like, you don't know where she is. Mm. Like, anyway, I phoned this doctor, Anthony Block, and um, he just had contacts all over the world um, with flights that, that um, a company that he actually did retrievals with, um, mostly from the islands um, um, north of Australia. But um, he, he um, put us onto a couple of companies. And then we were seeking quotes of um, when they could fly um, her um, and Jess and Kev out um, of Moldova. So um, that was organised pretty quickly. As soon as Chisinau said we can't do anything else for her, what's your next plan? We were going to either move her to Geneva mm. or to London. And um, a lot of children, um, I think about, I think we'd heard that 20 um, children from Kiev had had just been moved to Geneva, um, who were in the middle of cancer therapy, oh. um, and they'd gone back to get their parents and and families. And um, Geneva Geneva Children's Hospital was getting busier and busier. So you thought London was a better option? Option, and we also um, I also negotiated with the Australian government through Maurice Payne's office. Mm. Um, and the Prime Minister, actually, to get reciprocal health rights um, because we all have, Australians have reciprocal health rights when we're in London mm. um, and she, whilst she was an Australian citizen, you can't fly in to London and expect reciprocal health rights. You can't be sick in Italy or Moldova mm. and then fly to London for care. Mm. So, um, anyway, we got that. We got that passed um, and accepted. There was lots of negotiations that took place there, <laughs> and um, for the grace of God, we, we got that through. So London was was a really good option. Mm. So um, a plane came in from a jet, um, 
And now, just if you think they can only fly private jets, by the way, <laughs> never again. <laughs> At last, hmm. um, a jet came in from Zurich um, with how many doctors? Seven staff, so three three pilots, two doctors and two nurses. Wow. And it was just, oh, it was like, I don't know, it was like incredible. It was like a movie. Like we were waiting. Yeah. We were waiting in the Moldova hospital with the Australian DFAT two representatives from DFAT were with us. Um, and sort of just waiting and then all of a sudden they come in like so professional. And as soon as I saw them. I you felt like, you could probably home. take a sigh of relief. We could. When I saw them and their backpacks, and like they just, they looked, it looked like a movie. It looked like I was wow. watching, I don't know, New Amsterdam or something. Like they were just like, <laughs> let's, and they sort of said hello to us. They walked in, they assessed Elba, and then they said, okay, we're going. And so we had to leave first with DFAT. Um, and then we saw the ambulance fly by us. And then, yeah, we, we got on the, the flight. And I was just staring at her. I hadn't heard her cry. We'd heard little bits of crying, but I'd never seen her move. Mm. Like a little bit, like she pinched her. And I was really worried, like something's wrong. She doesn't move, she doesn't cry. Um, and when we were taking off, she screamed. Like she was screaming and kicking. And I sort of looked over and the doctor's got a big smile on his face. It says, and that's good. And he's like, this is awesome. He's oh, like, that's good. At the hospital, I thought she was a bit limp. He's like, this is what we want to see. And from then on, She's been the most feisty, determined little. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that she wonderful? takes after you, obviously. Gosh. All the doctors and nurses were like, she's feisty. <laughs> yeah, she certainly is. Isn't that, then, it's amazing. Amazing. I mean, she's obviously very determined to go through all the medical procedures that she went through that were probably not up to Australian standards in a war zone, being transported not the way that a baby in a NICU should be transported. I was going to say, when she's a teenager, I think you're definitely going to have your hands full. Yeah. Oh, no, puberty's going to be a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, she's going to be determined, though. I bet, I'm sure. I was going to say, whatever, I was going to say, you can deal with anything I was gonna say, in yes. life with what you have dealt with. Yeah. Is a walk in the park. It's incredible. Just the determination of everyone. I mean, of, of, I can't even think how many people from start to finish, even if it was just a surrogacy story, but on top of all the medical people, obviously civilians, DFAT, everyone, and everyone back home who your mom was talking to. I mean, the list would be endless. Of just start writing thank you cards. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and, of course, Jesse, um, two of Jesse's close friends started a GoFundMe page at the, at the beginning of the journey, which um, which really contributed um, Saved our life. Um, to the costs. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, we're very grateful to, to uh, her friends and, of course, everybody who donated. Um, it was just, it's, and as Jess said, she's just had cards printed and is writing personal notes to everybody um, who sent messages, donated, thought of us, prayed. Um, it's it's really just an amazing story. It is. I mean, it, also when you arrived in London, though, Donna, that that you know, greeting. I I, I just can't even imagine what that would have been like. Honestly, 
She was all dressed up, of course. She had her embroidery on glaze little suit on um, the headband, as you imagine. She was about this big and she was as tiny as... She's got to she look good. She's got to have a right she, entrance. 2.6 yeah. kilos. Um, and I really, um, like I just saw Jess and I, I didn't know who to go to first. Mm. Um, Jess was the closest and I grabbed her because I honestly did think that, um, you know, we were, they, were, they were at great risk. Doing oh. what they do, to be brave enough to do what they did. So, um, it's it amazing to see her and then to hold this baby and um and then live with her for the next um you know six and a half weeks or whatever it was. Goodness um, me, I, yeah. I I hope I hope there's a book in the making there. <laughs> yeah, I think there might be. I there would, should be. I think I and mean then the book needs to turn into a mini series because uh, it's amazing. It's, it's it really is. it's really incredible. I mean. It would be amazing when she's old enough, obviously, to be able to hear this story. It's just it, it's it will be incredible for her the the journey that she went on, and she's only eight months old. Watch where she's been and what she's been through. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even I, I think it's really important to record things now because um, I. I from the beginning um, of our journey with Elva, I started to um, collect um, newspaper cuttings, and you know, every day in the in the newspaper, right until now, you know, there's an article um, about about the war. Um, but some of the horrendous things, and some of the, some of the things that I can't believe that that she will then see when I develop it into a scrapbook or um, contribute it to Jessica's book or whatever. But there's some amazing footage there that that she really does need to. To see, and um, hopefully one day we'll get to take her back to the Ukraine, and, and um, we're going to make her do the eight-hour bus ride, <laughs> as you should so walk yeah. across the border. <laughs> and um, at some point, and um, and are you still in touch with the surrogate? Every day, most days. Um, every agency is different, but our agency didn't like us having direct communication with the surrogate. So right. had experiences where uh, one party took advantage of the other, or so. Um, to yeah, so they wouldn't let us have communication. Um, I met her when we were in Ukraine, and it was amazing. It was probably oh, probably as high on the list as meeting Elba. That's how important it was. It was amazing, and we just cried and hugged and cried and cried and hugged. Um, but we talk most days. It breaks my heart. She's in Ukraine. They've moved up um, north. It's safer. Mm. Um, her job is to knit scarves oh. and socks and blankets for the soldiers. Oh. And her husband's just busy getting wood to keep them warm. It's just, yeah, it's just terrible. She won't leave because she won't leave her husband. And I, I get it. Mm. Yeah. Their children have already, she's got two of her own children. Mm. They've all through so much. I mean, they've <laughs> from their house with their friends. Yeah, it's just, and they're still living everyday war zone. So, Amazing. Um, around now with all the what's going on, like I'm quite often texting her saying, are you okay? And she's mm. like, thinking of us. <sighs> what was it like bringing Alba home on the plane from London to Sydney? <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, have a chat over here, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody on the plane knew. <laughs> oh, no, because it was, it was really interesting because um, there's been such an Instagram um, presence. Um, I met people on the plane and that, like one girl said, I said, oh, that, um, we're sitting here 
uh, in your seat on the next flight from Perth to London. And she said, oh, okay. And she said, how old's your baby? Because my baby's a bit big for this cradle thing. Mm. I said, oh, she's, she's um, born premature. Um, she's only little. She'll be fine in that. And the girl said, that's not Alba. Oh, she's my. A celebrity God. already. So um, so people met Alba on the plane. But um, uh-huh. the trip was good. We had to have um, some of the delay about us not coming home straight away was the fact that um, Alba um, needed, there was a thought that she may need oxygen mm. on the plane. And it's a different sort of oxygen than what um, falls out of the ceiling for you and I. Mm. So we had um, to do a pressure test in London. Which was, oh. We had to do a pressure test in London and then they said she could fly um, with, oxygen. We, with oxygen with a nurse. So we were accompanied by um, a nurse um, from um, the Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. Emma, she flew from Heathrow to Perth with us. And she was um, amazing. She was amazing, didn't sleep, didn't drink. Mm. Oh. Um, okay. And... Oh. We only needed oxygen for about three hours of the flight. Um, and then we were met in Perth by another nurse who flew then from um, David, who flew from Perth to Melbourne with us. And he was oh, lovely. Like, yeah, just and knowing we were coming home, it was just like, oh. I, I didn't watch any movies. I, I just watched her. Watch her. And I loved it. We had pretty much 20 hours of just cuddles. Um, when we got to Melbourne, um, one of uh, coincidentally one of Jessica's school friends um, was a paramedic who drove the ambulance oh. back to the children's hospital. So that was a bit of a treat. Yeah, that was um, just such a like the best way to end. Isn't it? Love uh, this <laughs> journey. <laughs> journey. This amazing, journey. amazing journey. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it it um, it was amazing flying home with her, and um, she um, she was funny. she was good. She did well. God. Um, in London, she had some more surgery. Um, so five had, brain surgeries. So she had oh, oh my gosh. They um they redid the um they basically took um made the first bit of brain surgery that she had in the Ukraine, which is on top of her head. Um, they made that redundant and they put in a shunt right. on the left side of her head uh, to drain any excess fluid um in the spine, spinal fluid or brain fluid. Um, and she probably had that, she may have that for um, life. Um, and the only thing that will, uh, that will affect her is she won't be able to do dangerous sports like boxing. I didn't know that. <laughs> boxing, um, perhaps horse riding in case she had a yes. sport. Um, or no any, smoking because of her lungs. But we're no smoking yeah, that's, they're, all, they're all good things good she doesn't things, have to good do. Ticks, yeah, right. don't have to worry as a parent. And now she's... Um, you know, she's growing hair and has a beautiful curl right over the brain. I can see over the that. Yeah, over, uh, her hair right over that um, that little um, first bit of brain surgery has just got really thick and gorgeous. So I think a little bow in that. Oh, she is absolutely <laughs> she, beautiful. Honestly, it's um, quite quite an. I mean, I'm in awe of well, both of you and and your baby Alba. Honestly, it's the number incredible. of milestones she's been through. You know. It, it, it in her short life is incredible. Like not only where she's been, but just the milestones and just seeing her now, knowing that she's been through multiple surgeries and she's smiling, engaging. It's it's in it's incredible. It really is. Honestly, I, I think um, I, I I mean I'm going to say like 
unbelievable. Thank you, really, for your time, for telling us the most incredible, you know, journey of you getting to that stage anyway and what you had to go through. I, I just, um, I can't believe it. Just can't, can't believe it. But what a beautiful, what a beautiful outcome. I'm one proud mum. Oh, well, you're, you're one most amazing mum as well. Seriously. You know? I, I, I mean, just how you even, how do you even pick up the phone and just who, who to call first? You know, that, that in, in itself is just incredible. Incredible. Well, just, it felt like everything was, fell into line, which, you know, obviously somebody was definitely looking out for you. I say we were very, very unlucky, but we were really. But very lucky. Very, very lucky. I guess what a perfect time to probably end. She's yes, been very good. I was going to say she's been very good and she probably needs another bottle, I think. Needs another bottle and in, in, and has earned a good sleep, I yes. would say. <laughs> Your little one was quiet. Yeah, I, I can imagine Jordana's arm is probably like. My arm's a bit sore now, <laughs> but that's numb. okay. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to hear this story. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Thank you for thinking of us. Thank no, you. thank you for really. your time. And we wish her all the best yes. and look forward to seeing lots of updates from her. Absolutely. You're, you're a beautiful mother, grandmother and daughter and granddaughter and we just wish you all the best and I know you love each other very much and it's very, very moving. I couldn't have done that without her. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.